What up? It's your boy. Happy to be back on the mic again. This is the 26th episode of the pod, and this one is a little different. So usually my interviews are about North Carolina skateboarding. That is the box I put myself in when I started this project, but now I'm finding that to be kind of limiting as my interests and stuff span a variety of other subcultures, and I think of you know people outside of skateboarding that I would love an excuse to have a conversation with. Um, so this episode is neither North Carolina nor skateboarding related, so if that's what you're expecting and you are wildly aggravated and personally offended at this creative treason I have committed, then you have my deepest sympathy, but I promise you'll be okay. Anyways, today I interviewed Patrick Peck and Tyler Hall of the South Carolina hardcore band Riot Stairs. If you're not familiar, I would describe their sound as pulling influence from late 90s punk and hardcore, maybe even a little new metal rap rock. It's got some elements of Fugazi, Beastie Boys, Quicksand, Orange 9mm, etc. It's a sonic stew that's groovy as hell. A slap factor is off the fucking charts. And they recently released their debut album, Sounds of Acceleration, uh, following a handful of kind of shorter releases and EPs and demos over the years. So it's the perfect time to sit down with them and pick their brains and celebrate their efforts. So these guys have been kind of leaders within their scene for a long time now, and I've been looking up to them ever since I got involved with you know DIY punk and hardcore music. So it was truly an honor to be able to interview them and share their story. So thank you for checking it out. Let's get into it. Thank you too for joining me and being willing to participate in the podcast. Hell yeah. It's Thanks a, for having us. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun little uh, side project I do with my free time. And uh, yeah, this is cool because this is like me kind of getting into a new category, switching it to more of like a music focus, which is something I'd like to do um, more as my interests always kind of like shift and change and um, the type of people you're interested in are like you know, associated with whatever thing you're fixated on in that particular moment. Um, but yeah, Riot Stairs has kind of a storied history and um, you're a band that I think a lot of bands that I'm adjacent to or friends with uh, look up to. So it's a treat to have you guys here. Um, yeah. So, Thanks so much, man. Uh, I mean, we're stoked to do this. I, I don't know. It's cool to uh, be able to talk about ourselves and uh, not like feel bad about it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know what I mean? exactly um, what you're here for. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, dude, thanks so much for um, caring enough to want to listen. So. Yeah, definitely. No doubt. Um, we are joined today by Pat Peck, and if you would introduce yourself for the, yeah, the people. Tyler Hall. Tyler uh, I play Hall. drums and Riot Stairs. Yeah, I didn't know your last name. And I don't know if we've ever met before, but I think if you, so you played in False Light. I'm pretty sure, um, you know, one of my bands back in the day played with you at like the station or something in Charlotte. Okay. Probably. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, you were both in False Light. That makes more sense then. 
Uh, yeah, let's set the context a little bit. Like, how did you guys, when you were younger, um, kind of first start getting into more extreme styles of music, like punk or hardcore or whatever? Yeah, so uh, Tyler and I have been playing music together ever since I've been playing in bands. We played in our, like, the first couple bands that we were in were, were um, some local bands that I, and I had never played in a band before. Uh, Tyler, you had played in a few uh, like a few bands before that, but but we've pretty much been playing music together in some form uh, for the last thirteen years, I think. Yeah. Um, so you know, Tyler is definitely my uh, partner in crime when it comes to yeah. when it comes to music stuff, and so um, yeah, I mean, I I guess speaking to to my own experience, um, I. I had started playing. Uh, I, I had started out singing in bands because I didn't know how to do anything else. Because I my like ability to like play guitar or bass was like extremely limited. So I was just started singing in bands because it's what I could do. Mm-hmm. Not well. <laughs> it didn't sound great, but uh, it's what got me started. Um, and uh, and that's what kind of like put me on the journey to uh, just kind of surrounding myself with with people to play music with and and to start just like learning more just about the craft of making songs and learning to play instruments and mm-hmm. and so um i don't know if you want to speak speak more to your yeah i so so i grew up skating and i grew up in the in the era of tony hawk pro skater perfect playing all of those games the soundtracks on those games that was my first exposure to refused it was yes, kind of like dude. it sticks out in my Fuck mind yeah mm-hmm. it's like and then like of course like not like a heavy band by any means, but like rock bands, like like Goldfinger was on one of those old Tony Hawk Pro Skater games. Mm-hmm. And then I had a stepbrother who was like into sort of rock music. And he introduced me to skating, but then also to some bands. And I was, at that point, I was very young, didn't really give a shit about music or anything. But uh, it sort of, uh, I revisited it later in life because I... As I grew up, I was still skating, um, but a lot of my friends were stopping skating, and I wanted to have some people to hang out with, and a lot of them were starting to play music, and so I learned how to play bass, and uh, just started trying to start bands with friends and kind of screw around with that, and the first time I'd ever heard like a... uh, I can't say if it's like the first time, but it stuck out to me. Um, I was in Hot Topic, and I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I had, uh, I was probably like, maybe like thirteen or something, and I was like, "What can I buy that's going to, like, make, like, that my parents are not going to like?" Yes. And so I was like checking out, buying some like probably some stupid shit like fingerless gloves or some some shit like that and on the counter was a supremacy like just a cd and i was like oh this looks cool like it has a, it has a skull in the front like, <laughs> yeah. like, my mom will probably hate this and so i bought it and like i listened yeah, to it and that was that was like the first like point that really sticks out in my mind that i actually heard like a hardcore band and hate, of course, hate breed, right? Yeah, and so yeah. I so I went on LimeWire at that point. And I downloaded a bunch of discographies and whatnot. And oh yes, okay. Um, like hate breed. Sorry, uh, hate breed was definitely one of the. So 
Triple X soundtrack, Underworld soundtrack. Those <laughs> were the definitely yes. the two things <laughs> that put, I think put me wow. on this journey because Triple yeah. uh, X soundtrack had uh, uh, it had Hatebreed on it, and then the um, Underworld soundtrack had Dillinger Escape Plan on it. Okay. And so that was definitely like two sort of um, uh, I d- definitely points that 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 set me on <laughs> the, vague, yeah. the vague journey. So yeah. so shout out to the soundtracks. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, early two thousand movies. Yeah, and so that sticks out most of my mind. And of course, I listen to a lot of like not good music, like as everyone does when they're kids. Still, yeah. but I, yeah. but I kept yeah. going back. But I kept going back to just like straight hardcore bands, and then uh, it's kind of just, and then that's the music that Pat and I like. We we've, we've been playing bands for so long at this point, and. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what we've just gone back to. Yeah. And different bands that sort of straddled different like parts of the scene. Like uh, the the Tyra and I played in False this band False Light for like ten years or something and, and that was more on the sort of like grindcore power violence side. Um, and and then obviously our, our like rights here is sort of uh, sort of straddles a different a different kind of side of the scene. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it's been nice to it, I don't know it's been cool to like have that variety. And, yeah, yeah, that, that's one thing I've noticed when I think back to bands that you've been in. Like all of them sound different. Um, you know, maybe not to the average listener who doesn't really know about like hardcore heavy music, but to me, like you know, Riot Stairs versus Discourse versus False Light, like they all draw from wildly different places, um, which is cool because they're all like kind of they all kind of stand on their own as well um when i think of like uh i don't know i I was speaking to this a little bit earlier and that like your bands in a lot of ways have kind of like led the scene in certain ways like you're kind of like who the younger kids look up to as they start bands kind of below you guys and everything um and i like that you draw inspiration from bands that aren't just like the typical okay we're gonna sound like terror we're gonna sound like tui you know stuff like that you kind of introduced a lot of kids to probably deeper cuts. Um, it's very nice of you to say. I, 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 that's uh, extremely flattering. I will say I think it makes it easier uh, coming from a scene in a state where there isn't a whole lot. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. like I, to me, that's always been like the benefit of not being in a place like in some big city like yeah. New York or LA or something because it's like you're not in this sort of saturated scene of bands. So you like have a, more of an opportunity to kind of like to to you know stand out and to and to um and to do something cool so um, mm-hmm. um appreciate that but i i do i do ha- have to say that that's that that's definitely part of it is like um it's easy when there's not a whole lot of yeah, not yeah. a whole lot else you know well that's um, a good a good spinoff point um i mean are there other south carolina bands that kind of came before you that you look up to or um any that are worth mentioning just yeah. as like you know credits or whatever totally i mean like i mean the the i mean the big one stretch armstrong yeah, of yeah. course like that's that's definitely like um probably the first one that comes to most people's minds i think of south carolina we also so like when discourse started um we were kind of this generation after um this band where it ends cool um that was uh some, some close friends of ours, this was their band, they were a little bit older than us, so they were sort of our, uh, in a lot of ways, our sort of people that we looked up to um, and, t- and took after. Um, 
And it was cool too because actually their guitar player Ryan played guitar in Discourse for a while, and mm-hmm. so um, so it was it was a cool kind of uh, you know kind of just overlap of the generations in Changing a way. The guard. Not that, I mean, you yeah. know, generations relative to like the hardcore scene, it's like a difference of like five years, yeah. or something, right? Because like they're they're just they were just like a few years older than us, but you know what I mean? It's 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 still sort of a that sort of like you know high, next level up of of like of, of people that that sort of influence you yeah yeah of course um and so you were saying briefly that you like kind of started out singing you started on bass i mean how did you well tyler how did you get into drums pat how did you get into guitar bass you know all the things you learned how to do over the years so i was playing this i was in high school i was playing bass i'd found a like started a band with some people and it was just the after practice i would just play around on the drummer's kit uh-huh. and at a certain point i guess i decided that i wanted to play drums instead of bass and so a friend of mine in school he had a uh, he was a uh, he had an extra drum kit and i was like well hey like i need a drum kit do you want to sell me that one or whatever and he was doing an online course for like history or like world civ or something and he's like well do my online course for me (laughs) and that is such a tyler story that's awesome (laughs) and i'll give you the drums and so i just i i sat down like one weekend or like maybe like two two weekends or something i just banged out the whole sort of a world civ course (laughs) and like got it to pass and he was like a couple years older than me he was a senior and I think I was like a sophomore or something at that point. So I was like, he just was like, I just need the credit so that I can graduate. And I was like, well, I need a drum set. And <laughs> this is like something that I could bang out. So that's how I got the drum set. Yeah. And then I just started learning from there. And uh, yeah, that's basically Damn, it. so thank you to, what What was his name? Yeah, <laughs> your, I'll let the statute name? of limitations is up on that one. Yeah. We can get his degree yeah, yeah, revoked. Sure. <laughs> Whoever this friend is, thank you because... Uh, yeah. We might not be sitting here today if it wasn't for you. So, yeah, that's shout cool. out. And butterfly effect. It was a total, uh, it was a total like piece of shit drum set. And I actually yeah. uh, took it apart and I like sanded it down and stained it and tried to do all that, and which probably made it sound even worse. But <laughs> it's kind of what I learned on for a bit, and mm-hmm. that was great. Nice. That's what we started. Like that was my kit for the first band that like we were in together. Yeah, so. yeah, I do yeah. remember that. Are there early bands that you're in together, like stuff that you look back and you just like cringe and don't want to like acknowledge it, or are you like kind of proud of oh, every totally every step of the way? Definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I oh, it could have been worse, I think for sure. Cool. For me, like our um, our first couple bands, uh, I feel like I I started playing in bands late enough in life. I didn't play my first show until I was 19. Okay. Um, and so I feel like I had a late enough start to where it wasn't, um, it's to where it wasn't like that. Gotcha. Of course, I'm very um, happy with the progression I've made since then. Mm-hmm. But um, I, uh, yeah, it definitely could have been worse. Yeah, I mean, um, like uh, those earlier bands. I mean, you can't. You're kind of just trying to. You're fucking around and finding out. And it's like. <laughs> totally. You can like get on this like holier than thou like oh man like that shit sucked and objectively like yeah probably did but I mean it's sort of like you gotta have bad bands yeah like, yeah yep 
and also like I don't know it's like those are some of the most fun times of my life too you mm-hmm. know what I mean it's like yeah when uh, you have zero expectations exactly sure. and just no and no shame either like, <laughs> learn, like learning how to write songs figuring out what sort of people you actually write well with like, yeah. it's really hard to find a group like you can find even even finding people that can play their instruments well like and that's not and caveat that with like it's not like I'm like the best musician in the world or anything uh but just finding that is hard. And then finding people that want to play the same music is hard. Finding people that get along with each other. And so you're just kind of screwing around, just starting random bands left and right to try and figure out yeah, see what, what you want to play and who you like playing with. And Totally. And going, kind of going off that too, like what I've sort of put together as like a, as if somebody was asking me advice about how to like, get into playing a band or to like, not that I'm someone who needs to be dishing out advice, but like if, if I was, um, about how you like just get better at playing an instrument or writing songs or whatever, my, the thing that like did it for me, um, was just surrounding myself with people that were way better than me at music. You know what I mean? Like getting, being yeah, lucky definitely. enough to like, be, like get into a group where they were cool with me sucking ass for so long, <laughs> but like, because you're with other people that are better than you, it forces you to kind of like do that catch up and, um, and you kind of pick up on that. And so yeah. that that, that was, I mean, that, that's what I feel most lucky about. It's just like over the years playing music with people better than me because it just, I'm not saying it may be good, but I'm saying it may be better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. It's like better or just bands that you're mm-hmm. playing with. That mm-hmm. Just a lot of bands that we've played with are like over 13 years, whatever it's been. Like there's so, there's so many freaking good musicians yeah. like, that are way better than I could ever be. And it's just like, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's cool because there's also going to be you know, younger kids will look up to you guys and you're like, damn, these guys are so good. I hope I can be that good one day. And like, that's how scenes like happen. And that's how, you know, scenes grow and stay healthy and stuff. It's like people actually trying and putting an effort and saying like, Hey, you don't have to look at all the reasons why it's hard and why it won't work to start a band. Like you can actually just try and go for it and something cool might happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally what it is. It's like, just find a group of people and just try yeah. And just mm-hmm. suck for a bit. Yeah. There's no, you're going to suck. Right. There's no secret to it. It's, yeah. it's just, it's just that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I was a huge fan of, uh, discourse and discourse was in a way, it was pretty much my introduction to hardcore. Um, I saw you guys at like a college house show, um, in Boone at Wood Circle House. Yes. Yes. And that was, so I, I knew of hardcore before then, but the hardcore scene where I was in high school was like pretty jockey and kind of left a bad taste in my mouth but seeing hardcore music in a context of like a boon house show where everybody's like chill and cool made me like warm me up to it a lot more and um discourse was like very good musically too i mean i was like amazed by uh josh's drumming like i'd grown up playing drums and he was Mm -hmm. like on some next level shit absolutely whoa that was cool and um to what you're saying like seeing other bands like do it really well you're like damn like if I could just have like a crumb of that talent, I could probably like do something cool myself. And like, it's exactly what I did. You know, I was like, damn, this house show thing is kind of cool. And eventually I like started booking house shows and boom. But like my entry point was probably that basement show where, you know, discourse and a couple of other Dude, that's awesome. pretty sick bands were playing. That's very so. cool. That's extremely cool. Yeah. Yeah. Was were this you- the one with Koji or, and code orange? 
No, Code I, Orange Kids. I, I would have, yeah, I would have remembered that one. That was like slightly before my time, but I think it was um, Discourse and like uh, it was a couple of emo bands. It was like a, a bitter melody thing. Like okay. there, it was a mixed yes. bill kind of show. I th- yeah, I think this was like the end. I think this might have been at the end of a tour. Um, but yes, I, I remember sense. what you're talking about. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We had so many. We had a lot of good times at that house, and that was such a great group of people. And yeah, yeah, and exactly, just like got kind of passed down. Like once that house was no longer a thing, like other houses started popping up to like fill that void, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, now there's like still tons of like good shows and good bands going on in Boone oh, that are just so like awesome little yeah. kids having fun. Basically, it's like yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, but I was going to ask, were you, like, good at guitar by the time Discourse started? Definitely not. No. I was... Um, you played bass. Sorry, go. Yeah, so oh, okay, I started word. Yeah, so I started off in Discourse playing bass. Ba- like, could barely play bass. Um, and was just sort of doing the thing where I was just... I was just following guitar on the root notes, you know what I mean? And so that was, like, a, a, a you know, a good introduction to just, like, playing an instrument. Um, and it, it, it kind of just... It, it wasn't my plan for for discourse to be like as big of a focus at that time as it was it kind of just started out as like um me and kyle just want to start like a, a a band in columbia to play shows and um but i feel like fortunate that it that it turned into to what it did because that's that is ultimately like where i really uh learned to like play because i mean yeah i started playing bass and then honestly it was um it was after we, we kind of had like turbulent member situations. So it's like uh, just out of necessity, I just kind of had to learn how to play guitar so that I could contribute to writing and then eventually like play second guitar so that we can, mm-hmm. so we could have two guitars live. And, um, and so, uh, you know, it, it wasn't until so, uh, discourse was very much a like learning process for me and both in terms of like, being in a band and like start, that was like the first band I did like the touring thing with. And, um, but then also just like musically, like that was like where I really, uh, I don't know, like at least started to like develop myself in terms of like guitar playing and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's, and it's still been a process ever since, but, but I, um, that was, that was, um, that, that was a definitely a, a period of like, uh, growth for me that I'm that I'm thankful to have had so yep gotcha um why weren't you in discourse I was uh didn't get the call <laughs> yeah <laughs> I wasn't as good at drums as as Josh well it was like it was so we were in so uh I grew up here in Charleston um and uh, I, I, I moved to Columbia to go to USC, so I was there for college, and, and so Kyle and I were there. So we it was like a Columbia band, and so... I lived in Charleston, just, and, and you were all y'all were in Columbia. Yeah. Gotcha. And, uh, so that's just kind of how it worked out. Yeah. But... Uh, were, uh, you, were you in any other bands besides False Light? Besides False Light? Um, I mean, at least bands that were, like, doing stuff and ended up with, I guess, a career, so to speak releases or anything no not really i mean i really just uh like pat said we'd been playing music together for since we since we started and we with false light we had just gotten out of this like other band this like local band that we were both playing in and uh brian who plays guitar and false light was like well um you guys want to try and start a band and so 
we just Pat and I are just like a, a pair except for discourse <laughs> and, uh, yeah we just started that but not really I mean is a uh, false light and and riot stairs is where the majority of my focus mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. been but though that being so false light was a band for you know 10 years but you know so, so it was a it was it was it was a a large focus of ours and you know and in riot stairs also like it's it's crazy that we've kind of been a band for i don't know eight years at this point or something yeah. um something like that uh, i don't know what you would you know yeah yeah so mm-hmm. uh, we're lucky enough to have like long 10 years for those bands, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's cool that, that it's cool to be in the, with the same group of people for that long and be able to sort of like really grow with them and sort of like develop the style for those like respected bands sure. over time. Yeah. Cause I guess at that point it's not so much like starting a band from scratch. If you want to do a new project, it's like, let's end that one and pick up here. But we already know each other's like, writing styles and like how to work with each other and everything so that's why you see a lot of new bands like for example if you come across like a band on spotify that you've never heard before and they like totally fucking rip there's a good chance it's going to be like oh members of this former band members of that band like it's pretty rare that like people just who have never been in a band before get together and like knock it out of the park first try um yeah so and definitely with like at least the bands that i've been in it's typically like not everyone in the band actually contributes to writing. Yeah, it's like okay. one or two people that like write the music, and then they kind of just uh, they write sort of the core that everyone sort of adds to it or whatever whatever the process is. But I mean, between yeah, discourse and false light and riot stairs. I mean, they they all share members with each other. I mean, you and Dylan played in in discourse. And then and Izzy, of course, and then uh, and then Izzy, you and me played in False Light, and then Izzy, you, me, and Dylan playing Right Stairs, and mm-hmm. so I mean it's just all just mm-hmm. same group of people who figured out you know the thing that I was talking about earlier, like playing music with each other and actually being able to be productive and yep. write something and want to write the same things, and yep. like you find that and it's just like all right, we're gonna start another band and yeah. find like one other person. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah I mean it's a really special thing to stumble on because it's like when you figure out that you have that chemistry with, with somebody like that um, I mean that's huge right like that's like if you if you have this relationship with somebody to where you can comfortably like create like that um, it's, it's it's like a it's a really special thing that it's like I you, you never want to let go you know yeah. like you, you just you want to um, because it's it's not something you can you can't just like you know, find a random person and expect to, to have that chemistry. Um, yeah. it just kind of has to, you just kind of have to get lucky. And so, so I feel fortunate to, to both have been playing music with Tyler for so long and that we also have this sort of like smaller group, kind of like you and I were saying earlier, Luke, like it seems like a lot of scenes are kind of like that where you have like this kind of small group of people that it's kind of all the, a lot of the bands kind of are shared among, you know, among those people. And, and, um, um, yeah, so yeah, feel feel very lucky to admit I mean, that, all the people that we've played with, you know, like people starting bands, but then people like booking shows, actually starting, like, starting like a DIY space or just booking shows somewhere and actually trying to build up a scene. Yeah, and I had no part in it, but you 
and like people that were in Colombia at the time were like uh like when discourse was a ban and whatnot I mean Colombia had like a good scene for a good couple of years mm-hmm. that was an awesome era yeah he's he's uh, talking about we had this um, this space called one unit um, in Colombia for this was like 2011 2012 and um, that was really an awesome era for that city and that scene because we we had this sort of like larger group of people that all contributed to renting out this 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 building that we did shows in we had it you know we would use it as a practice space we had like a bike co-op which was actually really sick because we had we like butted up against this neighborhood and so like kids from the neighborhood would bring their bikes over and like you know like people who were working the bike co-op would help help them fix other bikes anyway it was like a really cool space that unfortunately wasn't didn't last as long just because of like bullshit dealing with the city and and you know uh, having to sort of like um having to keep up with these like codes these like city codes and of course we're all broke college kids at the time yeah you know had no money to put in a new sprinkler system or a second bathroom or whatever but um but it was um uh, it, it was a really cool era for sure, and I, and I think that that I, I I think that even though it didn't last that long, I think it still put like a spark in a lot of people for like uh, yeah. how to do other things that that are either similar to that or have that same sort of spirit of like DIY and and and, and it also help people make just connections with people from other parts of the country and everything. So um, yeah, definitely feel lucky to be a part of that. Absolutely. Yep. Same thing with skateboarding. Whenever like the DIY skate park gets torn down because they're gonna put like apartments there or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, some things are just like kind of meant to be temporary, and like that creates space for like something else cool to happen in the future. I think so. Totally. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a huge fan of like the DIY culture, both in music and skateboarding, and um, yeah, like I would just look up to other people that would like do DIY shit like turn their bike shop into a venue or like have bands play at their basement and just be like whoa that's crazy they're not like they're not like that special of a person like I could do that too like anybody can participate in this if they want to put an effort and you know like how many kids do you hear complain in their hometown like oh dude like there's never any shows here it's like well you can like do something about that yeah (laughs) yeah let's see it you know yeah it is like a really cool thing that like you I don't know it's like we're like all like in our 30s at this point um, and it's like it's cool to see how that ethos sort of carries in to like the rest of your life you know what I mean and you realize yeah. that like there's all these ways that just that like simple idea that like oh shit I can just I can figure this out I can like figure out how to do it and do it it's not it doesn't have to be this thing that's like um, you know that only quote like professionals do or so, you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, it's it's a it's it's I don't know just such a valuable like it, it sounds so simple but it's like having exposure to that back then um was was just so uh, i don't know it, it just like just clicked something in you i guess yeah so and definitely the the logistics of it all like mm-hmm. finding the group of people that you can stand to play music with is like <laughs> that but it's like yeah it's hard but like instruments are much cheaper than they were like we have the internet now like actually like doing DIY shit like back in the day like I mean we grew up with internet and being able to just you know you can you can book a sh- you can book shows just mm-hmm. you have we have GPS now so it's it's much easier to do things now and so mm-hmm. you always like someone finds out like you, you play in a band they're like oh that's like 
awesome when's your next like uh like they they look at it as like this like sort of grandiose thing it's like just a dude with internet access and paid like a couple hundred bucks or did a a world civ course online to get a drum set (laughs) exactly so it's like it's much easier now than it would have been like Mm -hmm. before totally before our times yeah yeah absolutely yeah i always like think about stories from like bands that toured in like the 80s and 90s and stuff and it's like dude how the fuck like man it's so somebody cool. like mailed them directions to some like sketchy clubhouse yeah. and they just have to like use their van and like hope they get there like it's so cool have you seen that 108 documentary on youtube i have that not it's um oh, what is it called i'm trying to remember it's it's they named it after one of their songs one of their albums but i'm totally blanking on it but it's this it's like a it's this 108 tour documentary from it's like i think it was their final tour mm-hmm. and um and it's kind of long too i think it's like 30 minutes or an hour or something but it's like just fall you know it's it's some guy with the camera is just following them along the, the final tour and it's in probably i don't know 97 or something and um just you know seeing them like go find a payphone and like calling who like calling like trying to get a hold of the booking agent in like whatever city and um it's like it's so fascinating to see like yeah. just how different of a world and literally just, a different just be world. like how like how would we have like even back when <laughs> in the days of like when i was like doing like a decent amount of touring and stuff um yeah uh, which was i don't know 10 years ago or something we still had like we still had like this was like right when you it was normal to have gps on your phone and so it's like i even you know i, I didn't even have the era where i had to carry around a like a tom tom or something to like get around you know what i mean it was still like so easy back then so yeah cool but yeah slight derailment from where we were getting to which was like all these kind of bands culminating into um why we're here now to talk about riot stairs and like the the album you just released um i had a question kind of about the genesis of the band um it seems pretty natural to like okay you have this group of friends like you've done a couple of different projects you know what's next it's sort of like natural that you would want to start a new band but um when riot stairs started did you have kind of a specific like goal or vision in mind when you started it and do you think you need that to like start a band do you need it? I don't know. That's a good question. We definitely did to an extent. So when we started, um, so Izzy and I were playing in Discourse, and at the time, so Discourse was still together when when Riot Stairs started, or at least when we started writing our like demo. Um, we uh, were in a weird spot with Discourse though, because like we, it was like really just me, Izzy, and Kyle, and we were kind of like surviving off scabs for drums and bass, and so. Um, we were in, and Kyle also was like living in Atlanta. Izzy and I were in Charleston. I had just moved back after college and, um, Izzy and I wanted to start a band that was like, we were all in Charleston so we could like jam all the time. Um, and so, and, and originally it was like, okay, we want to start like a helmet kind of band. Um, and then we were also listening to a lot of like that, like that, like first refused record, uh, songs to fan the flames of discontent and, um, and like, uh, uh, a lot of Snapcase too. Like that's always like the the band that like most people like mm-hmm. uh, compare us to, kind of out of the gate. Um, and so we started jamming with Tyler. Like it was just like a you know it was it was just sort of like a natural fit that we would jam with Tyler because 
you know, like I said, you know, we've just been playing music together for forever. And, and he was in Charleston too. And he was in Charleston. Yeah. And then uh, Dylan was also living in Charleston at the time. Um, and, and he had been um, filling in for, uh, for discourse for like our last couple tours. And so um, that all just kind of fell into place, made sense. And we started jamming um, at the time. Actually, we are, our, uh, our singer initially for Riot Stairs was our friend Jim, who mm-hmm. now he sings in um, this band from here called Florida Man. Cool. Um, and uh, who's awesome band, by the way. Shout out to Florida Man, uh, great yeah. friends of ours. They're very like, uh, I always compared them to like, kind of like a These Arms Are Snakes kind of vibe. Um, uh, maybe even like some like, they, they have some like Fugazi kind of riffs. Yeah. Maybe using, I'm, I'm like, not familiar with them, but you're playing with them later this week right? next week yeah cool, yeah cool. so next week we're playing with them and um and our friends to uh, forget as well like a screamo band um so just two of like our very close friends from here um so well, it'll just be a fun show yeah, just yeah. like well charleston uh, showcase absolutely cool. yeah yeah and this will be like our like second show like back quote unquote so um awesome and so uh yeah, if it wasn't on week nine, I'd be there. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Well, yeah. Um, it, but uh, hopefully, you know, I, I, um, we, I'm sure we'll get into this later. But um, you know, hopefully, it'd be like another opportunity for you to see us before we uh, call right. it a day for this band. So yeah. Sick. Um. But anyway, so uh, long story short, uh, it didn't end up working out with Jim. I think he was like focused. He was. He's a. Uh, uh, he he he's like a incredible chef, and so he was like, uh, I think focused on that at the time. Um, and so it was when we ended up running into Brad at a, I, I, if my memory serves me right, we were at a Columbia show where he was, where Brad was living at the time. And, um, and so if people don't know, Columbia is in the middle of the state and we're, we're in Charleston, which is on the coast. We were up there for a show and, um, I knew that Brad was like reluctant to singing in a band again. Cause I think he was kind of over it. Like he, I think he wanted to like maybe play, just play an instrument cause it, it, let's. I mean, it sucks to sing in a band. It's like it, it, there's like a lot about it that's yeah. that's really shitty. He was in a band before that too. Brad, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, Brad. He he was in um he was in like a handful of bands um from Columbia. Um, he was he was in this band in Regret for a while, um, which uh which was like a band that I when I was like in high school like looked up to and yeah. and and sick um and yeah and he was in this band Jacket after that and um but I think he was kind of overdoing the singing thing um, he played in a like Dark Entries yeah he played bass in uh, this band Dark Entries that was kind of like uh how would you describe them they're kind of like doomy kind of riffy yeah, I'm, sludgy I'm familiar they're in that yeah. like yeah, like, yeah they're, they're cool. Kylesa sort of yeah thing. yeah they were on like the Kylesa label um, but anyway we convinced him to basically move to Charleston and sing in a band and so uh, <laughs> so uh, at, we saw him at that show and just talked to him and, and he was and he was down I think yeah I think he was like really into like just kind of the style we had we had recorded the instrumentals for our demo at the time and um, nice. sent those and so he that that next summer so that brings us up to like summer t- 2016 um, he had moved down and we played our first show. So, yeah. yeah that's and tight. then, uh, so at the time, Brad and Brad and me and, uh, Josh were also, we were trying to start like, like a, like a shoegaze band, like a Catherine wheel sort of band where mm-hmm. Brad was playing guitar, me guitar. And then, uh, Josh was playing drums. And so when he moved down, it was like, Oh man, I'm moving down. So I can, uh, like, I, I, I can't say for sure, but we've had like conversations about it here and there. Um, but he's like, 
oh yeah, like we're gonna like start these bands, and then that band kind of just fell by the wayside, mm-hmm. and then he was just back to just singing in a band again. Okay, <laughs> yeah, 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 right, fuck. yeah. Well, you'll get him next time, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Kind of seems like uh, the geography was like an important factor then in right there starting like all right, we're all kind of here, like we can all do this and like really go at it and. Um, another point I was going to make was like recording the instruments and then bringing in a vocalist is kind of interesting. Cause like, were you sort of just like gambling with like, Oh, I hope his vocal style is like what we need for this project. Or were you familiar enough with his other bands to know he was going to do it right? I think we were definitely familiar enough with Brad as a vocalist to know that like he would kill it. Cause he's just like, I mean, the dude's like maniac and like, nice. every, like all the bands he's singing, he's, he's just like, uh, you know, he has always like just kind of like given it his his all, and and he has always sounded great. So, um, so I think we didn't have any question about that. Um, but uh, but it was it was still um, you know, but it, it's it's still kind of a weird a, a weird scenario to sort of bring in somebody new at that process of yeah. like we had had half the thing like kind of recorded and, and everything, and, and to have him. Uh, I think I think the, the the part that made it difficult was that he felt rushed to, so it was it was kind of a weird situation also because we had written all the lyrics and the vocal parts before he got there just oh, because shit. of the nature of like where we didn't have a vote you know we had a vocalist and we didn't and then we, so to try and be proactive we wrote everything so he pretty much came in and just sang what we gave him oh and so um, that was. Um, that was definitely kind of a, 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 a an odd scenario that I, I think he I think he felt rushed and 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 um, I I think there's parts of that record that he's not happy with because of that dynamic um, and so this was uh, Riot Stairs EP or demo or whatever you yeah call like it. our self titled twenty sixteen yeah yeah okay cool wasn't um, that kind of the purpose of like a first release like you you know you know like there are areas that could probably improve but it's working like out your kinks let's get yeah. something down on paper and just like you know, use this as a jumping off point. Yeah, 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 um, for sure, yeah. So it served its purpose, but I'm glad that, like, after that, he had more room to, like, do his thing because, like, I, I, as someone who was, like, contributing to the, it was kind of like me and Izzy writing the vocals before then, I don't know, it was a lot more, like, the vocal parts and the lyrics were a lot more, like, I don't know, I don't know the right word for it just more like rigid and calculated whereas like brad is just more about feel when it comes to like vocal mm-hmm. performance and stuff and so i feel like the, the the songs we wrote after were just way more like vocally they just felt a lot more like natural and like it's definitely more groovy dynamic yeah absolutely yeah yeah um but you're right like that's that's why you record a demo you know you just mm-hmm. you you expect to grip to grow from there and yeah, yeah. so I, I think i think we did so so i mean you two like how has that first demo aged for you guys do you like listening to it or is it kind of like oh you know cringe or whatever like how do you feel about that first one i don't i don't really like listening to it uh personally i just uh this is just kind of always my thing though i feel like with i i 
after like stuff I record reaches a certain age, I'm always like, I'm just kind of focused on the, the, the current stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And so at this point, I luckily am still very stoked about the LP and, and like listening to that because I think it's because I feel like we got to a point where the LP nailed what we were trying to do the whole time. Yeah. And so that's perfect. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's, it's, if it's any different for you, Tyler. It's, yeah. It's, I'd, I'd say it's about the same. I mean, you go and listen to things after the fact or, and you're just like, man, like should have done this different or this could have been better. And it's just, you could have just focus on the next thing. And yeah, I mean, I share that sentiment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gotcha. When you, um, when you started the band, was an LP like always on the horizon or did you need to do a few little like EPs to like kind of figure out that an LP was what you wanted to do? I think we always knew that's where we wanted to get because we, when we started the band, you know, we had, like we were saying, we had done, a, you know, like a handful of other like projects and bands and stuff. And I think us starting Riot Stairs was like, we had learned a lot with those like previous bands and and especially once like uh, in the middle of writing that first EP for Riot Stairs when um yeah like like uh like our old band discourse had broken up and so like Riot Stairs like really became the main focus it's like we were trying to do things in a in a really thoughtful way you know like we had yeah. we had learned from all those experiences in our old bands and we're really trying to like not like not like make it businessy or anything like that, but just like little things like, you know, uh, kind of coming out the gate with a new band by having like an EP ready to go or a demo or whatever. And like a first show lined up and like maybe some shirts or something like having mm-hmm. like a more of a sort of cohesive, like launch of the like thing. a debut and, and yeah. like, yeah. And, um, not like making a, you know, social media page that has nothing that says like, <laughs> big things coming or yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, that's my yeah, favorite. Yeah. I love that shit. Um, <laughs> you know, you live and you learn. Um, and so, uh, I think we, we definitely started things out with a little bit more like intention of, we want to really do this thing the way we want it. And we want to like, make it like, um, yeah, like just realize more of a vision, um, that we had starting out. So, so I think, so I would definitely say that starting out, we like knew we wanted to get to the point of, of, of make, of like writing an LP. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. Yeah. Question for you, Tyler, being the drummer, but like having at least bass knowledge and in other instruments, like were you able to contribute riffs to the writing process or was it more just like let the guitarist handle that and you jump in when, when it's time for drums? Hell no. I did not contribute to any of the riffs. Nice. I mean, like... That's uh, kind of a nice place to be. Like, they do all the hard work, and then you just get to, like, yeah, pound I mean, away. I mean, uh, like, Izzy and Patrick, like, wrote, like, the the songs. And then a lot of the times, like, Izzy and I, we lived in a house together with a bunch of, uh, like, Brad, Dylan, Izzy, Brian, and me. We all lived in a house oh, together damn. at one point. And so we would just, uh, and the way the house was structured, we had like this loft area where we had like an electric drums and then like little practice amps and Izzy would just riff in his room and then we'd go and try and like put drums to it, figure out something, or we'd go up to the unit and play it. And so I did not contribute any to the guitars or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I disagree, but I'll let you finish. But, uh, and then even with, and then even with the drums, I mean, 
so we were still we were still playing in false light and like it's a it's like a, a hardcore sort of power violence band and there's it's just kind of just at least for me like i just you play sort of blast beats and yeah that's that's it and so uh you know and i'm not i'm not like I'm not a good drummer or anything. It's like I'm not the best Come drummer or anything. On. Come but on. Everybody, everybody says that. Everybody says that. <laughs> no, so. but it's like Riot Stairs, like it's not like hard on drums or anything. And it's like me personally, I always admired drummers that, you know, they aren't playing things that are difficult, but they're playing things that are uh, hard hitting and just like in the pocket and like keeping the pocket like fills the pocket like i really liked uh like john steiner like mm -hmm. who played in uh, drums and helmet yeah. and like john otto and limp biscuit but uh like uh, or rob borden which is a uh, lincoln parks drummer like all these drummers they don't play difficult shit but they just play in the pocket and yeah. it's just it's groovy and so when they wanted to start riot stairs i was like well cool i can just play simple ass shit and just beat the shit on my drums and like that's what i want to do because mm -hmm. i'm not having to play fast or difficult i'm just playing in the pocket and that was that's fun to me yeah yeah sure um so i play drums too and i think that's one of the things that is kind of like a key element to riot stairs sound is like simple drum parts you know it's like you're leaving a lot of room for like the guitars and the vocals to kind of be like the not the center of attention but like everything is pretty well balanced like some bands you know if you look at discourse i say that was a pretty heavily drum driven band totally and then like mm -hmm. i would say riot stairs is like maybe not maybe not that way so that's awesome that you kind of like you know recognize your role in the band and don't try to just like oh i'm gonna jam all this crazy shit and try to steal the show like that's that to me kind of shows like musical maturity or whatever like it's it's the groove and it's like the riff Fuck and, yeah, <laughs> and like it's not playing anything crazy. There's genres for that. Yeah, where you play like crazy shit, difficult shit, but it's like it's not something that I particularly enjoyed, and it's not the music that I really sort of was influenced by with the kind of drumming that I like mm -hmm. to do. Yep. So, but makes sense. Coming back to it, I did not contribute at all to the guitars. It's not true. He's lying. He, okay. I, I, <laughs> I'm actually really curious about this answer. Well, okay. Sure, there was like a lot. We we did like sit down, just like guitar guitar, and just like come up with a lot of stuff that we would then bring to you. But like, I don't know. I uh, going back to sort of the chemistry thing with like musicians. Um, Tyler and I, I, I have always like Tyler and I just have a very strong musical chemistry, and so so many of the riffs that I've come up with have just been the result of like me and him just fucking around at practice and just like just like playing random stuff and then we land on something cool and then we can kind of like expand on that. And so I I think sure. both I think both there was a lot of riffs that came from that, but then also like there's so many it I, I know at least for me, I, there's been so many times where I've written a riff that like sounds cool to me when it's just guitar, but then when I try and take try and take like try and put drums to it, it's like it doesn't make any sense. And so I've got to like add drums and then like morph the riff to like make sense over the drums and so like i don't know i that, that to me that's like such a crucial part of the process that like 
helps just like form like form both the riffs and then eventually the song so um but also too i i will say like even if a lot of the riffs were done by just sitting down izzy and i it was still um I feel like what drove a lot of the Riot Sears songs or like what like things that what I like about the the Riot Sears songs is sort of the the structure of them and, and the progression of like the song as a whole mm-hmm. and that yeah. was something that we always did as a group you know cool. it was like that like that was um we would have bits riffs that we would come up with separately but then we would like still it, it would take all of us to sort of like form an entire song and have the structure like make sense and yeah. and, 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 and um, flow in a way that was I mean, cool. straight up like whiteboarded out I mean, like yeah, the, yeah. Cool. the different parts and everything mm-hmm. so yeah right on I mean, we have riff banks definitely at yeah. least you yeah. guys you would have riff banks and mm-hmm. we'd kind of try things out and it's like kind of putting them together if they don't go well or we need a part here and like we had a structure that we wanted to go for like for songs mm-hmm. um and that's just you know part of it's just i think maturing is just writing at, with writing songs yep. and then just yep. part of it's like we had going in like we knew what bands we were like influenced by like snapcase and helmet mm-hmm. and orange nine millimeter and so like that's definitely a yeah i would agree with that yeah, cool. Did you guys write most of the LP when you were living in that house together? Or was that before then? Yeah, because y'all moved out. What what year? It wasn't until like 2020 or something, right? It was like 2019 or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like the last of them moved out in 21 or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah I, think, I think the majority of that was, yeah, because we recorded um, all the vocals there. All the vocals were recorded at, at the mm-hmm. Southside house. So, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so we we did, yeah. So, I mean, between uh, kind of sitting out in the house and also just going, you know, going to like our, you know, storage unit practice space, um, most of those songs were written, instrumentally were written between, for the most part, 2018, 2019. Yeah. Um, we some we, of the songs on there are much older than some of the other ones. Yeah, maybe go back to 2017 after, like, basically right after we put out our second seven inch yeah it's, it's crazy that that the the record which is really new to most people you know having just come yeah. out in january has they've been saw some of them have been songs for five six years i can't remember yeah. did we have like some of these songs written when we uh recorded that second ep and it was like uh it was a matter of yes. we can't fit it on a seven inch Sort of deal. It, it, it was that, it was or, like that. It, or it was like they weren't totally finished yet and they so weren't we were, finished or they didn't fit with so we were like we'll save it for I, yeah that's um, cool. I think uh, uh, yeah. what is the actual <clears throat> Steel Beauty the, uh, we, I, we still think of all these songs and their working titles uh, for example Mountain Dew commercial is one of them um, that's the first song Shockwave uh, yeah much, I don't know I don't know the Mountain actual Shockwave was called Mountain Dew Mountain Dew commercial oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I don't uh, I don't uh, know for the obvious, names of a lot of our, <laughs> the actual names of a lot of our songs I'm just like yeah, they'll, they'll like be like oh like we're playing this song and it's like what and they're like oh like Blue Hot Dog Bun Blue it's like yeah, oh okay yeah, yeah. got it got it yep yep um, I love it uh uh 
Drive and Try to Spin are two of the old or two of the oldest songs I think that yeah. were written before, yeah. like in the same era that we were writing for our second seven inch. That's cool. Um, you guys, um, you guys, Hum fans, definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah. So yeah. my favorite, my favorite song off of Inlet is um, Cloud City, and I did like some web research and found out that that's been a song like since the '90s. Like they played it live oh, wow. and everything, and just released it on their. Uh, you know, last LP like twenty something years later. Oh, that's crazy! Super crazy. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. When they put out that, when they put out that record, Izzy and I, we we kind of had like a, there was like a point in time where that's all that we were listening to was that yeah that hum record and like step into you like I had posted in the chat at one point like the riser chat I was like guys this is like the best song I've ever heard like <laughs> God yeah it's amazing man love it. You guys have that like camaraderie where you like you know exactly what you like and you're in these like very specific like niches of music. It makes it fun to like have people to nerd out with on that kind of stuff. Absolutely. A lot of yeah. my skater friends, I love them to death. They like dog shit music. I'm like, you know, it's, it's hard whenever like yeah. a new release comes out. I have to just like enjoy it in a vacuum by myself. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this band Tame and Paula? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, cool. Well, you guys kind of answered another one of my questions, which was like, when you're writing an LP, because I've never done that, do you like write one song at a time or do you come into it with a collection of songs? Like, do you compose it like as a start to end thing, like you're writing a book or do you like come in with a collection of stuff and then figure out how to arrange it after the fact? It's definitely, um, we, we definitely take it song by song and then figure out how they worked. Like, I mean, I think a lot of the, a lot of that side, a lot of the like making it a whole thing comes together when you're sort of piecing together the sequence of songs and the order, mm-hmm. um, and sort of, and then how they transition into each other. But I feel like, um, I feel like we, we, we would obviously have sort of um, a sound and like themes throughout, like the just kind of the riffs that we would kind of would naturally be consistent throughout songs, and like. You know, we like we want them to sound like the same band, but I feel like when we are writing an individual song, we're we're focused on that and how it sounds good on its own, and then sort of wait until um, we have a collection to figure out how they. So, for example, we had a song that we had that we had finished that we were going to record for the LP, but then once we kind of had the entire set of songs for the LP together, we were like, that one actually doesn't. Fit, I think, with where we ended up vibe-wise with the entire record, so we're gonna cut that one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that. Hopefully, that made sense. I might have like contradicted myself a little bit when I said that, but does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, we would write songs, but again, and it's kind of a bit easier for us, like the the kind of music that we're playing, because all of our songs are the exact same sort of chords. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like uh, it's just uh. It's just a matter of just groove. It's setting them up in different grooves. And so it's yeah. really, it's easier for us than with other sort of genres or bands or that are, we can sort of just write songs and they just sound like all just one big song. Mm-hmm. And personally, I think like the best records are the ones that just, you listen through them and they it just sounds like one big song. Yeah. Um, and I think we all f- feel that the order of songs on a record, like their place, it's intentional. Mm-hmm. I hate shuffle mode. Yeah, like, absolutely. And mm-hmm. so, like, like we're definitely really intentional about the order that we wanted them in. 
And so we would write songs sort of individually, but they're all just the same chords, just different grooves. And so it just kind of works out when we arrange them that yeah. they sound really nice together. So uh, maybe it's just luck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that to me, that is like one of the most fun parts about making a record is figuring out the sequence and figuring out how everything kind of like is both ordered and how they flow into each other. Because I feel like, I don't know, it's just like a fun puzzle of like, okay, how can we sort of like, we've, 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 looked at like the on an individual level in terms of songs how the how the sort of like ebb and flow of the of the song goes and how it like kind of you know how the how the song itself almost plays a story or whatever and it's like how, how it uh deals with dynamics but then to have a bunch of those individual pieces put them together and and and, and see how the entire piece as a whole flows together and how it sort of like how the how the mood can shift and how you can what makes sense to like how, how it makes sense to start the record off and to end it how to like end side a and how to start side b to cool. me that's like yeah. a, a just like a really fun process yeah, i think us talking about it right now it seems like it's a little bit of both like at the mm -hmm. same time like the go full force gump on you're you. mindful at, yeah like when you're writing individual songs you're still kind of mindful of that but like yeah you can't totally put it together until you've got all the there's yeah. definitely there were a couple songs like one we had completely done like patrick said and we were like it doesn't fit the rest of the songs on the record like we're not going to put it on the record um but there were definitely other songs that were close to being done or maybe just like halfway done and we flat out said this isn't this doesn't sound like the rest of the songs like we're not going to work on this one. And so there's some intentionality to it. We'd focus on songs individually, but not at the expense of all of them together. Yep. So it's kind of yep. both at the yep. same time. Mm -hmm. Totally. You guys didn't do any like in studio writing, did you? Like I know some bands will do that where like they don't even have everything fully fleshed out before they hit the studio. Then the producer kind of helps them like put the pieces together. Was that your process, or did you have everything like totally laid out before you went into record? So, like songwriting wise, we there it was it was pretty much all done. Like we had done some um, we'd done some demoing yeah. ourselves um, just to make sure everything you know once we kind of uh, that we could listen back to it in a way that that that, that you know we like the way it sounds. Um, but we so the. I can't remember what track it is, but Burst on the record, which is towards the end, yeah. that one was actually only, we only had like a verse and a chorus for that. And mm -hmm. so that was one that we, mainly just because we kind of ran out of time, we were like, okay, we're, we'll figure that out when we get there. Um, we actually did finish that one in the studio. Cool. It's actually and, one of my favorite song on the record. Yeah, nice. it might be, yeah, like it, you're right, same. Like it might be my favorite one from the record, which is cool, because it was very spontaneous, like, uh, yep. We just we liked the, like the the one riff that we had for it, and then yeah, I think wasn't the working title for it like new old? Yeah, because it was like an old riff that we <laughs> never figured out how to turn into a song, and then when we got into the studio, we just kind of uh, winged it and ended up with something that was like that we were really stoked. It's about. definitely one of my favorite songs to play, yeah, like, on the record, and so it's just funny how it works out. Some songs like uh, you take a lot of time to write them and like the end product hopefully like you like all the songs but pragmatically like you ask i think most bands they'll be like oh, i definitely like this song more than this song this song i don't like at all like yeah. whatever and it's going to be different like for every member but um and then there's some songs that 
almost sort of just pull out of your ass or it just sort of falls into place and you write it in like a day or in like one practice and so yep and some right and then other songs you over edit and then you hate them even though you yeah. it's been a song that you've worked worked on and changed <laughs> so many times and for so long it ends up sucking because yeah. you just change it you just do too much to it so the, yep. the riff bank is important yes yeah. yeah got it you gotta have a riff bank yeah <laughs> ABR. always be riffing yeah <laughs> damn that's sick that's a good one always be riffing <laughs> i agree i i completely prescribe to that mentality <laughs> um it's funny when i riff i like I barely know how to play guitar, so it's always just like a uh, five, three, five, seven. You know, like it's just like frets, basically. Well, it sounds like a ride star song. And then it, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. And then occasionally you get that ring finger on the third string, and you make it like a pretty power chord. Yeah, you know I'm talking about. Yeah, then spice boom, it up. Uh-huh. Then that, that's how you get your chorus, and then you go back to the power chords for the verse. Yes. What did uh, yes. What did uh, Joel like say to us? Uh, like pretty early on, like when he he heard the I don't. Like Joel's a friend of ours. He he plays guitar. He's actually um playing this these such as shows with us. Mm-hmm. And oh, like cool. pretty early on, he heard the EP and he went up to Izzy and you or something like that. He's like, man, you guys really mastered the two four five <laughs> the formula. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah. There's two sets of song. We got either songs that are uh, uh, two four five or two three five six. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the two. Uh, scales whatever you know whatever yeah. the hell scales those were in who knows yeah but but that's like the coolest thing about like punk and hardcore is like it doesn't take like musical mastery to crank out good songs it just takes totally. like intelligent songwriting you know mm-hmm. and yeah that's just, kind of that's why a lot of kids get into it i think because it's like accessible if you got a guitar and a bass you can probably hammer something out that right. sounds workable yeah you know without being like a master fucking classical yeah. and you musician can just- you can just trust your own ear to be like, oh, this sounds good to me. It'll probably sound good to somebody else. So yeah. I'm just going to go with it, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Sick. Yeah. There were a couple points in like writing, like, uh, and Shockwave. <laughs> and Shockwave, Izzy and I were in the unit and he had this riff and he was like, all right, man, um, I'm going to play this riff and like, just hear me out. Like, you got to just, just think, embrace the corn. Embrace and the corn, yeah. He like, that was the motto. He's yeah. just just play, just play like the first thing that comes to mind when you when I play this riff. So he played the shockwave riff, and this is uh, I was like, yeah, it just sounds like a, it just sounds like straight up butt rock. <laughs> and he's just uh, just play whatever comes to just play whatever comes to mind. So I played like just butt rock drums, and yep. it's actually like, and so then so all of us got together, and he's like, all right, hear this out. This is like it's butt rock, but it's pretty sick. Is that on? That's the opening track, right? Yeah. Are you talking about the like bridge riff with like the pinch harmonic? It's like the no. It's like the uh, it's the the beginning riff of the song. Kind of yeah. Oh, kind of just okay. that yeah, chorus yeah. riff that's just like you know. It's just this this definitely speaks to kind of the larger like ethos that we that we kind of embraced when it when it came to writing this the, the, this record was like I think we just wanted to like play shit that was fun and yeah. like have this like almost this kind of like cheeky like semi-ironic like you know because like yeah. obviously, obviously with like the, the artwork and stuff and like the um some of the like influences as we were kind of doing the like you know the style of music that like we grew up on like yeah. you know it was just with like new metal and like rap metal and shit and like um there's definitely like some it, tongue-in-cheek about it yeah yeah, oh, yeah. yeah we'd make yeah. fun of ourselves as we were writing these songs yeah. like, right but it's just like i don't know i think we yeah we just like we're like 
I don't know. Just don't overthink it. Let's just like yeah. have fun. And like, if we just own it and, 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 and have fun, it'll, it'll, I don't know, hopefully, uh, you know, if someone's listening, it, they'll listening to it, they'll, they'll get the same, the same, uh, feeling from it. So sure. Yeah. I think yeah. Like, that one riff, he played it and like, uh, the shock, like that riff off of shockwave. And he's just like, yeah, it just sounds like Creed. <laughs> like like Dude, human uh, clay like my own prison like straight up butt rock and like yo yeah. they got some riffs though it's like straight they up got... like plumber plumber riff plumber core yeah 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 <laughs> yeah that's sick I mean dude and I mean I feel like I come from a similar music taste and Shockwave is actually my favorite song on the record nice I love it it's, awesome. it's perfectly butt rock uh-huh. like that's, yeah. I love it it's dude. got that it's got that that's, perfect amount that's yeah. what the people want to hear whether they know it or not yeah oh here's a good opportunity we can tackle this while he's out um what <laughs> what, what was your thought process or what you know why do you choose like your snare has like a very distinct sound and I think I saw you guys play and realize it was like 12 inches deep or something crazy. Yeah. What's, how did you come across that piece of gear and like, why is that something that you're stoked on? Yeah. So it was when we were going to record this first, the, the riot stairs, uh, self-titled and you know, we were one of our big influences is Snapcase, obviously. And Snapcase, especially like on like progression through unlearning, he just has this really iconic, like really high tone, uh, like piccolo snare. Mm-hmm. And I'd had piccolo snares in the past, but uh, they're just really shallow snares. And so, you, and you can crank them and have like a really high tone, but yeah, like a, lot of death a, like metal. a high pitch. A lot of death metal drummers use those, right? Yeah. And so, but for me, like they just don't really have a lot of body and they don't really cut. Yeah. Through like a, through like live or like in a recording, and so I was trying to figure out how to get a snare sound that sounded like Snapcase, huh. and I was in Guitar Center. Um, it might have been like the day we were going up to record uh, that self-titled EP, and we stopped by Guitar Center to pick up some just random stuff, and in the use section there were two marching snares, like pearl marching snares. And uh, one of them had like a pinstripe head on it. And yeah, I just kind of looked at it and I was like, you know, I feel like I could crank this thing up because marching snares, you, you can just crank them and they usually have like Kevlar heads or something on them where it's just like kind of tappy. But this one had a pinstripe head on it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, that's kind of weird. And so I just, I, I bought it. It was like, a, like, like 50 bucks or something. And oh, nice. <laughs> uh, we got to the studio, and I I put another pinstripe head on it. And I cranked it, and like that was it. It's it was like a really high like a really high pitch. I could tune it like all the way up and have like that like sort of ping high like high overtones, but it still had body because it was like this thirteen by thirteen marching <laughs> snare. Yeah, and. I, I really love the sound of it, and so that's what I ended up using on the self-titled, and that's what I've been using ever since. Yeah, I was gonna like jokingly ask if you found that shit at like a pawn shop or something, but I guess I'm not that far off. No, it's used at Guitar Center, just <laughs> on a rack for like fifty bucks. That's and dope. I was, I'm just gonna buy this on a whim, and like we might as well just try it out. Yeah, yeah. And we got into the studio, and I tried it, and it sounded perfect. I was like, this is the the snapcase snare. 
Yeah, and like I would argue that's like a critical component to the sound of Riot Stairs too. And I it's think like kind of become like its own thing. I mean, it's like a uh, maybe it's just because just me playing drums, but every every band like you their drummer has a snare sound, and you can sort of think about at least with a lot of iconic drummers, you can sort of think of them just as a their snare sound as a synecdoche for that drummer. Yeah. Uh, Did you talk about the when we recorded the um, EP, the self-titled, about how we buried some of the Snapcase snare sample in the? No, in the no, drums? I didn't. Did you remember that? No. Yeah, yeah. We like Chris like snipped a, a sample the of the Snapcase snare and like buried it a little mm. bit in there, which Whoa. like I know it's like so uh, derivative or whatever, but but a uh, little little uh, fun fun fact there. Cool. What yeah. about yeah. the uh, the uh, the little the little pocket amp? You mean this one? <laughs> yes. Damn! Yes, look that at that one. thing. So this was the uh, the the sound for the so on the on the self titled EP on the song spilled the guitar in the beginning of it that sounds like uh, you know like brittle and shitty and like super trebly. It's recorded through this. <laughs> yeah, so so dude, it's amazing. We, it was like no, go ahead, Pat. Well, so we were out getting lunch. Some of us were, and. Do you remember the story? We came back and like they were. Uh, I think I think Izzy was about to record that part, and we had come back from lunch, and uh, Izzy was still at the studio getting ready to record that part, and then uh, he did it, and then he's he's and then he was like, okay, now go look in the in the in the guitar cab room and 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 like check out like the rig that we had running for this for this part. And we go in there, and it was, and it was this little yeah, thing. Yeah, Chris, Chris like set a, it up just kind of on a hunch. It was like on a table, and like had a <laughs> had a microphone up to it. And then we're and so we were like just dying because it's just this tiny, you know. Obviously, people can't see it, but it's this like I don't know, four inch by four inch little um, Marshall stack. Is that that's is that battery like, powered? Is that, like, is that like what you get when you buy a guitar, like a beginner guitar, but like it doesn't have. You know and what I mean? Like, I guess, so you can like it has this, a belt you can clip. plug into it, and you can you know. Walk yeah, yeah. I'm saying, isn't that like what they give you if you buy like a starter guitar that like doesn't come with an amp, but they it give you be. like something yeah. to play? I think yeah. my sister had something similar. When she, I mean, like, it literally a has a head. It literally has a headphone jack built into the, <laughs> the cab. That's awesome. <laughs> so it started out as a joke that like we were you know not going to use it, but then it ended up just it like was the perfect sound for that part of the song, yeah, and we perfect. ended up yeah. using it. But uh, yeah, so Chris, this so is like the actual one. That's the actual one. So yeah, so Chris, um, so after after Izzy passed away, uh, 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 Chris like sent us like a little care package and like sent oh, he, he sent he sent this just because like you know just <laughs> uh, it was like you know obviously a a, a good memory of ours, but. Um, yeah, shout yeah. out to Chris Hilbert uh, from uh, of uh, Legitimate Business, mm-hmm. uh, Legit Biz uh, Recording Studio in Greensboro. Um, just like one of like the best friends I think we made playing music. Like I, I, we did the math, and I think that I think that we recorded like ten different like records together from like various bands and stuff. But Sick. he he recorded the first um, the first two uh, rides there, seven inches and and the and like the the LP promo that we did after nice. that. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, who did you record with for the final product of the LP? 
So that was with uh, so John Howard from uh, from Gainesville, Florida. Um, so John uh, has done so he did like the Magnitude LP. He did like um, uh, a bunch of those like South Florida bands like um, like Lennon's band like uh, like Envision and um, uh, Dude, Ego Strike. Envision and, yeah. is fucking amazing. So good. By the way. So good. Yeah. yeah. Um, he recorded Yashira. Um, uh, yeah. So his, so uh, yeah. So his his brother um, played is is the played drums in in Yashira. Um, he unfortunately passed away oh, a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, uh, but um, yeah, Yashira, amazing band. Yeah, I saw so, them in Greensboro, and their drummer was like really, really stood out to me. It's like clearly just like had an amazing like reverence for the art of drumming and like mm-hmm. was so accomplished with it. It's like really cool what he yeah, yeah. brought to the table. Also yeah. amazing that they found like a comparable replacement and are still playing music. Yes. Really, yes, really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, he's recorded a bunch of those other like those like there's like that handful of bands now from uh, like from like northern Florida that are coming out that are like kind of that like kind of like weird like kiss a goodbye kind of style like um uh, like Colonial Wound and Drag Pattern, um, just like incredible. Like that's like a, like Tyler and I. That's definitely kind of like our like bread and butter as far as um, like the music that we like. Is that cool. kind of more like I don't know, like kind of weird angular riff, kind of crazy man hardcore is what yeah, I always yeah. call it. Um, <laughs> I'll, but, I'll have to uh, do some homework. Would you put like it, Would you put like Cult Leader in that category? Is that like there's definitely some uh, overlap. I think, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, because yeah, they because they kind of come from that like coalesce kind of like 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 they're kind of influenced by coalesce. I feel like, which is definitely uh, part of part of what's going on there. Yeah. yeah. Pat and I have always liked uh, like bands like uh, like ISIS or mm-hmm. Neurosis, like False Lights named after an ISIS song. Mm-hmm. Cool. And like uh, cool trivia right it's there. It's always yeah. fun because uh, like Izzy would be like, man, these songs are so fucking long like like <laughs> i just it's fucking it's boring like minutes. and then like but yeah pat pat and i've always liked uh like neurosis and uh and just uh would you call it crazy man crazy man hardcore yeah yeah <laughs> I, I usually refer to band yeah kind of bands in like that like kind of dead guy kind of like ilk yeah um, like, like i think I, just, I, you, I like where you have to have a maniac as a singer to like be successful <laughs> i think i know like what sound you're describing and it's like really hard to articulate but mm-hmm. the riffs almost sound kind of like schizophrenic or something like totally, they're like yeah, a lot of like dissonant, it, like the songs don't progress like naturally they're like a little bit uncomfortable on purpose absolutely okay yeah. cool, cool i mean yeah. one heavy band that it's not exactly the same but so like the a band that pat and i have always liked is this band engineer mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was like Syracuse. a big influence for us like actually like growing up and like listening to heavy music like engineer absolutely yeah yeah cool. um yeah we actually got to like the though the it's like a bunch of brothers that are in that band they're there so they were like a syracuse band from like mainly like around like 08 kind of era um and they um uh the the brothers who were in the band started this music shop and we were actually like in syracuse Actually, okay, it was really cool because we went, we played in Syracuse. This is with Adabai in 2017. Played in Syracuse. We went to that music shop and we like went and like talked to them, um, and that was cool. And then we also stayed with um, 
the guy who runs Hex Records, who engineer yeah. put out that yeah. first record on, and they also put out like tons of different like amazing. Uh, that that label is so cool. Um, they just put out. Shoot, was it the Colonial Room Colonial Wound record? Um, and uh, and, and so uh, that so that was kind of a cool trip where we kind of got to I don't know but, uh, kind of. Mm, kind of like visit these like uh, these kind of like people and bands and like this label that was like very influential on us um, growing up yeah um, but anyway getting back to, to so John who recorded the um, the LP um, again just like one of like the like best people that I think we've met just like doing this whole thing playing music and stuff um, mm-hmm. and it was like really ended up being the perfect fit for, for the for the record um, yeah, yeah we we kind of just wanted to mix it up a little bit, and so that's why we ended up going with him. Um, it, actually, at the time, we had so right before we decided where we were going to go record, um, we had played this show uh, with Magnitude, and they were like showing it. This is before their LP had come out, and they were like showing us the um, like the mixes from from their record they had done with him, and it kind of like blew our minds, and we were like that's the move like that that cool. that like he's gonna capture the sound that we want yeah. really well and so it was it was um kind of a risk we were taking because um we were used to always going in the studio and sort of tracking things um you know to a click layer by layer doing it kind of that that way but um the way that he tends to like the way that he likes to record hardcore bands is by basically getting us set up to where we're sort of tracking the the drums live, quote unquote. So we're, um, you know, when we were tracking drums, we had uh, all three of, uh, you know, me, Izzy, and Dylan plugged up to like DI, like amp simulators, basically. So mm-hmm. like we're recording scratch guitar along with Tyler, but to no click or anything. Yeah. But we still have the feeling like we're playing as a whole band. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had never done it like that before, but we kind of just we were like. You know, that let's just like like fuck it. Let's just like do something different and like see how it goes. And it, we actually started like recording with a click, like just recording the drums. And I think we got like right. two yeah. songs through. And then he was like, "Let me just try something. Like, hear me out. Like, let me just try this." Yeah. And like, and he was like, "Like your band's like about like your band's groovy, and so like let's just try it with this." Where the way that Patrick was just talking cool. about, and, and, and it was, and it, and it made it, it was it was perfect because it was like it it, um, we naturally played the songs a little faster, and so I think it like really added to the energy that we wanted yeah. to capture with 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 the songs, and then it, it it also had so it had it had that it had like a natural feel kind of it had kind of a more natural kind of push and pull because we weren't playing to a click. But then it also has like the tightness that you want because we still went back after we tracked the drums like that and then and then and then recorded the guitars individually over mm-hmm. that. So it's like you get you kind of get the best of both worlds, especially for a hardcore band. It like really nails the the sound that you want. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like this like dense music nerd talk. Oh yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I could go on forever. Yeah. That's um the the guy that I've recorded all my bands with, Jeremy White. He records the same okay. way. Like yeah, he doesn't yeah, yeah. he doesn't Great record guy. to a click. And I think part of the reason why is he records like bands that bless their heart might not be the best musicians and playing to a click would actually be like difficult for them to do. Totally, yeah. So when he's trying to bang out a whole EP in one day, he's just like, nah, let's just do it, you know, 
do drums and guitar at the same time. Yeah. And then it does capture a little bit more of that organic nature where like maybe a bridge is supposed to be slightly slowed down from the chorus and like yeah. you know you play it with a little more human fluidity yeah we, we went in and we had already had like the clicks like the the tempo to all of the songs we'd figured that out beforehand because that's just how we were used to doing it mm -hmm. and so we set it up we probably got through like two songs and then that's when john was saying let's try this that's cool yeah and it was funny too because when you look you listen back to our demos that we did before we went and recorded they're like so much slower and, and so we were kind of having this momentary freak out because we were like oh god like now that we're playing them faster like is this too fast is this like you know is this is it, are we ruining the songs but like listening back to the demos it's like oh my god these are so slow and boring yeah. you know you got you got demoitis yeah you're too yeah. stuck on the demo oh yeah that's real <laughs> very real thing yeah yeah and, and one one other thing about the drums and going back to just being in the pocket like what i all those drummers that i listed out and i'll just throw like dave grohl in there like he play. They don't play difficult shit. They play in the pocket, but they still, when a part needs to hit really hard, they tug. And so it's not like they tug it's at the beat tug. where it's not. It's like maybe like a thirty second, like a beat off. Like yeah. Where you like, if you listen to like like drummers like Dave Grohl, he's playing, and at the end of a bar, it's like it's like it's like God, 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 and it's just like it tugs ever so slightly nice. and like yeah, yeah. on a click it feels kind of awkward and it's something that just naturally we did as a band like where we'd go to we'd go into like the chorus or like another part in the song and we'd all just sort of tug at it uh especially and especially for me on the drums so i think so i feel yeah. ditching out the click and like recording the way that we did we were able to still keep that for the LP. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. How long and were you uh, in the studio for putting that all together? Four days. So okay. we went, so this was May 2019 uh, is when we tracked the instrumentals for the LP. We were there for four days. Um, Izzy and I went back that August to go add some, uh, uh, just some like extra little guitar stuff. Um, uh, so we, yeah, we were back there for like a day or two. Um, and you recorded vocals at home? And we did all the vocals, yeah, just gotcha. ourselves. So that was... A blessing and a curse doing it that way because we like had the space to really because we were kind of uh, we were still kind of like Brad was still kind of like writing the vocals as we were as we were kind of recording them um, and so it gave us the space to really take our time and make it what we wanted and add kind of like you know take our time figuring out where we wanted to add layers and stuff but as like people who are so slow with writing and like so kind of like get p so picky with stuff it was also terrible because then it it took us I mean yeah here we are in 2023 and we finally just released the record which obviously there was other factors at play here but um but we you just like revise the shit out of it and it's like never fully finished kind of when you have that much control over right it. okay yeah and I so yeah just having so having that ability to you know it's 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 kind of like the option paralysis thing where you where, where you're, you you have too much flexibility to where you can't ever like make a final decision but, this is yeah. this is I blame Patrick Oh, I 100%. Yeah, yeah. I, I can 100% take that blame. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, we wanted it all to be good, but you you have a a a, uh, a natural proclivity to get into analysis paralysis. I think we're all better off for it, but it's like... You got to have a balance, right? Yeah. yeah. Which, which is why it's good that, that some of us... Because I think Izzy, Izzy was, was, was the same way as well, I think. And... Um, 
and and then other and then other people in the band were more like wanting to just sort of like okay we we are we are we are writing things it feels good let's just do it and so i think having that balance was definitely i mean sure like it it, it created arguments sometimes but i think overall it helped us to like meet kind of meet in the middle and 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 uh i think izzy was definitely more uh he could be a bit more dogmatic about it and he was the master roaster so oh, nice. if he uh <laughs> so if he had an idea for it and you're like well why don't we do it like this he just roast your ass and <laughs> at least for me like i could not come back because he was just the master of roasting people yes that was <laughs> he was so crucial in that way for the writing process because he will just he would just be straight up honest with you if if you like he did, he wouldn't care if you spent like days and days working on this like riff idea if it sucked he's just going to tell you and he's, he's like, like no we're not dude using it. that's bad like, and you need that. You gotta have that. Like, because yeah. I think the rest of us are a little bit more. At least, I mean, me especially. I'm like, it, I, I feel like I, I, I want to. I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I'm too, too nice, too nice or something. And so, like, um, I just don't, I don't have that ability. And so it's like, but I thank God that you know we yeah. had that because we probably would have gotten it. We yeah, yeah. got anywhere. So that's cool. Yeah, well, I want to be uh, respectful on this topic. I did not know Izzy well. Um, I actually never spoke to him. I don't think. Um, but obviously, like having a band member and lifelong friend um, pass away in the middle of like a huge project, like an LP. Mm-hmm. Um, how did like, you know, what was it like to kind of process that and work through that? And how did you, you know, come to the conclusion that you still wanted to like finish out the project and you know see it all the way through? I mean, I mean, on that last bit, we recorded. We recorded the LP in 2019. We were working through the the vocals. Uh, Izzy had some vocals that he was going to do. Brad, obviously, uh, and then like I think like hardcore was like the most important thing, or one of the most important things to Izzy. Like he loved everything about hardcore. Like loved playing music. Like phenomenal musician. And so I think, you know, when uh, when Izzy passed away, I think there wasn't a question in any of our minds that, you know, this is something that we had to see through, that we had to get done, that we had to put it out so that, you know, it was all something that all of us were, like, sort of what Patrick was saying earlier. When we recorded this record, we were like, this is what we were trying to work towards, like, the whole time as a band. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was no question that we had to put it out. We had to finish it. And, like, for people who cared about our band, who cared about Izzy, like, that was important to us. Yep. Yeah, and I think that we feel lucky that we, I don't know, it's like having this, like, this music thing, this band thing that we shared with him, it, like it is nice in a way that we have this this sort of like piece of him that we can hold on to you know mm-hmm. what i mean that like we have not you know like between this and and just like the other like all the other like music that we made with him um it's like i don't know it's 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 just like a very valuable like memory to hold with him and and i don't i guess like expanding on that too when it just comes to like processing his loss like I don't know the way that I've sort of chosen to think about it is is like I don't know like whether like, uh, regardless of like 
how you feel about spirituality or whatever, like it's kind of undeniable that, that, that people, you know, people like people live on through their, to like, to the memories you have of them through like, um, the, 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 the things that you, you know, the things that they made, um, and the things that like they've taught you. And so, you know, I kind of going back to what I was saying before about like surrounding yourself with people who are better than you when it comes to whatever your craft is, mm-hmm. make, makes you better. Like I learned so much about writing music and playing guitar from Izzy. Like I would not, I, like I would not be where you know in the in the place I am with 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 music and stuff had it not been for him and so I I um him being so instrumental in my in my development like that is like it's I guess comforting to me in a way to to know that um as I because it's like you know I'm, I'm gonna keep making music for the rest of my life you know and like he does I do feel like he lives on in in a way through that and and I hope and I think that and I um, and I know that all of us have like our own sort of version of that. Um, but I know for me, yeah, it's like he, uh, everything that I continue to do musically, he's like a part of that in some way because he, because he mm-hmm. was so crucial in, in my, like in my development, whether it's like my developing, like my taste for music or just like technically like how I, how I play and how I, and how I write. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Izzy was a huge part of how I played drums, how I thought about writing music, approach writing music, and yeah, any music that I write is going to have a part of Izzy in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of to Pat's point, it's the world, the world, like when someone passes away, like the world keeps what that person shared with it. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, Izzy was a phenomenal musician, like just could write riffs, and like I think. And one other piece, and anyone that knew Izzy personally uh, would agree that like freaking hilarious, like oh, it's very funny. His, and his think, humor is still very much with us. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, like if if you didn't play music with Izzy, and you knew him, you knew that he was funny as shit. And I think humor has a has a particularly um, it's it's particularly sticky, like in memories and what you remember about a person. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a so that's an encouraging thought. Is that yep. like mm-hmm. we like we constantly like revisit like funny videos that Izzy would send to the group chats or like these like funny personas that he would just keep going for like months at a time <laughs> we'll like and, we'll like send memes to the chat that like that we you know that we just caption with izzy because like the whatever the meme is like just captures like his personality or like a joke he would make or something and so yeah. um yeah yeah so yeah his, his humor is still very much very much with us i think we'll always be yeah it's amazing i mean it's definitely uh it's definitely the craziest thing like to happen like mm-hmm. as a band obviously but i mean i think going back to like we had to put out the record there was no question that we weren't going to put it out we had to change some things like there were some parts that like uh like some singing 
that Izzy hadn't recorded. And we sort of had to figure out what to do with that mm-hmm. at first. So there was actually, this, this is like a little, I don't know, this is like a little uh, kind of, I don't know, interesting tidbit or whatever. But yeah, like, please share. so the uh, to Shockwave, the first song on the record, the um, that like singing part, that like backup singing part. So that is Izzy. Um, and that is actually, uh, a, he had, he had tracked, I think this was, this is towards the, kind of the end of the, the, um, process of, of sort of like recording and mixing the record, but he, he had recorded, he had sort of written that part, that singing part and, and recorded it at his house and, and sent it to me to like, kind of see if that's what we wanted to do. And it the intention was for um for for i think for brad uh to to be the person to actually record the part that would be on the record um but we ended up being able to use that part that izzy oh, sort cool. of demoed out it's like a demo that he sent yeah i ended up like keeping it on the song and like and so it's like i don't know just cool to have that you know that's actually his voice like on the on the record and and um that kind of goes to this other um kind of thing we were going through when we were finishing the record like you know after Izzy passed and we were sort of trying to finalize the record put it together I think a lot of us were I mean we naturally were like still in the back of our heads thinking about how what Izzy would be thinking in in the various parts of like the the Mm. different decisions that we were making and like still wanting to like we had this shared vision together right of like of what the record would be and so we were definitely think all subconsciously very very like just thinking about okay how would 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 is he still be would he be stoked about this decision whether it's like the artwork or like or whatever else um and so uh you know i think i i i i'm confident that we ended up with something that like that he would be equally excited about and and be proud of um but but that was definitely sort of a i don't know interesting for lack of a better word dynamic when it came to that part of the process was just like wanting to as as the people that i feel like knew his part of that vision the best like making sure that we were sort of like honoring that and like um sort of keeping his his desires like as a part of that decision making process if that makes sense yeah perfect totally makes sense there is actually the did you like the the in motion, like the last song on the record? So oh, yeah, yeah. That, so there's the so in motion is the last song on this LP, and there's actually a, so there was a clip of Izzy where he was just being funny, like cracking jokes, <laughs> and, and his, like his normal like kind of dark humor stuff. Yeah, 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 like he has this uh, like a lot of his humor was like dark humor, and there was like this clip that he. had that we had of him where he was just doing something and he's like, you're going to need something to remember me by. And one of us had like found this clip at some, at some point while we were oh, wow. wrapping up the record. It's like a practice recording. Yeah. 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 And it was like, a. if you hear in the last part, there's like this silence on the last song of the record, right after like the beginning of the song. And we put that clip in there. It's like a, where is he saying that? And, I mean, I really do think that Izzy would be stoked about the record. Part of why I think it took us so long to actually get it out was that sort of pressure and making mm-hmm. sure that it 
like lived up to Izzy's expectations. Yep. Um, but I think we, I think we did that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that you guys feel that way. And I'll have to go back and like, listen for that little Easter egg now. That's, that's like a yeah, really cool yeah. way to pay tribute. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the process of actually rolling out the record, once it was done, I mean, you've got to consider like artwork, uh, layout. I know you had a couple of music videos too. And like, um, I'm not like a huge record label guy. Like I couldn't tell you what bands are on what records or anything, but, um, days is, I guess, who you released this LP through. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, how did that relationship help you kind of accomplish what you wanted to like get the record out in the way that, um, you felt it needed to be done? So, um, I guess going back to how we, uh, so Lumpy who runs days, we had met him years ago. Um, so he plays, he plays guitar in sanction, and we had met, we had like played shows with Sanction like towards the beginning of the band. And so we kind of like made friends with, with them and, and, and Lumpy specifically kind of early on. And he was always like really stoked about the band and, and like really supportive of us. And um, and so kind of fast forwarding to, uh, you know, the last, uh, you know, year or whatever um, of, of kind of finishing the record and, and, try, and wanting to get it out there. Um, I think he had he had kind of caught wind at some point that we had been sitting on the LP, and um, and so he just kind of hit us up and was like, hey, if, you know, I, I would I would love to do this if, if you guys if you guys want to, and and it was and it was um, you know, it's we always throughout the band were like, what like what label would make sense for us like it, it, um, like we. Um, so the first couple records we released with um, uh, our very close friends uh, Grant from Bitter Melody um, and John from Head First. Um, John uh, John actually recently he passed away last right. year. Um, we our first show back actually was was his memorial show. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know shout out John and Caroline like they were some of the best friends we made um, and and uh, you know just them and John uh, I'm sorry them and Grant um, just like people who literally just do this thing who like have their labels because of just a genuine love for for music and the bands they put out and, and just would literally do anything for you you know what I mean like they're not um, uh, they're, they're not trying to like turn this into a, some kind of big like business thing like they're just you know it's just a genuine love for for, for what they do and so um so that was always like a very perfect fit for for like our earlier records and and um, and and I, I think kind of, but then uh, thinking about just sort of like if we were able to ever if we ever made it to a point where we were on some sort of larger label or something, we always kind of wondered like what like what would make what would we like make sense on you know what I mean like we we, we always felt like a when we would play shows, we always kind of felt like a little bit of like outsiders. Cause we didn't totally fit with like maybe all, all the bands or whatever. And so, uh, but I, I feel like when like landing on releasing the record with days, it was kind of a perfect fit. Cause like, while we might not like a lot of his, like a lot of the bands that he puts out are like, just like really like heavy and ignorant and like, and we love that. Yeah. Um, but it's like, in some ways you can think, oh, maybe Riser doesn't, that, like, that's kind of weird for days. But it, I don't know. I, I feel like where we develop to, like, musically and just kind of, like, overall feeling and, like, uh, aesthetic or whatever, that it was, like, kind of a perfect fit. Um, 
And so I, I'm, I'm very stoked to like have, have like, I mean, I, the label's awesome. Lumpy's, uh, Lumpy's amazing dude and, and has done so much for us. And so, I don't know, do you, do you have anything to kind of add to that feeling? No, I mean, share that sentiment. We, we, talked a, a, we talked a little bit about self-releasing it, like putting it out. But, mm-hmm. uh, and then. Yeah, because when we were, us. yeah, like back when, this is sort of like pre-COVID when we were getting, you know, the, uh, we were, you know, because that was sort of the first derailment for us when it came to this record was like we were about to finish it and try and release it when everything with COVID happened. We actually, like the, the, the music video for Relief Technique, there's like, like clips of us like playing. Uh, we had recorded those, like the night that we re- like we recorded all that video, it was the night that the first COVID case had hit Charleston. Whoa. And like we found out about Damn. that and we we're like, oh shit, like shit's about to, shit's about to wild out. Yeah. Of course we thought it would be, you know, two weeks or whatever. Weeks. And then, yeah, but like, <laughs> You know that so that was that being sort of the first like uh you know delay in the whole process like we we wanted to we had this record that we were really stoked about right that was like sort of the culmination of like everything we had sort of been been working towards right and so we were like let's like we could have we could have like still released the record you know what i mean like at that when like everything was kind of popping off with covid we could have still like released it and then just been like we'll just we'll play shows when we can play shows or whatever but it's like we wanted to we wanted to like we gotten that far right so it's like we wanted to do things right and we want to do things the way that we that they were like in our heads and so we were like let's just wait until we can release the record and like tour on it and we'll like do it you know we'll like do it that way we'll like do it big or whatever and um and so so like i said that was kind of the first like derailment for kind of that process and we had been kind of like talking to like a couple different people about about releasing um the record and then of course that you know the whole covid thing just kind of like you know just kind of threw all that into limbo um and and so then right of course fast forwarding through you know that and then losing izzy um when we were then ready to finally put it out yeah we 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 had thought about self-releasing like Tyler said and um ended up just after after Lumpy hit us up um and and offered to do the record it just kind of felt right and and felt like the record would be in good hands and that it would sort of like get the um you know just sort of get like the like exposure that 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 we that we that we wanted for it and so yeah yeah so I think we're really happy with 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 where it everything ended up yeah, I mean, I wish I knew more about, like, how this actually worked, but I assume, like, when you release through a label, like, they help you out a lot with, like, the upfront, like, production costs of the actual vinyl and everything, and, like, then, you know, they, they kick back to you whatever your agreed-upon share is or whatnot, but if you were to try to release it independently, I assume that would be, like, a huge investment. Um, yes, yeah, and none of us have experience running a, like, a, running a <laughs> yeah. regular label or, like, do it, you know, there's, I mean, there's so much that that we were fortunate not to have to like really think about when it came to the record. Like, like days has like people that they kind of hire out to do like kind of PR stuff and to kind of, you know, get, get the, get the, um, get the stream sort of, uh, sent out to different, uh, 
you know, outlets and blogs and stuff. And so we were kind of saying, we were kind of talking about this earlier is like, I hate it, like self-promotion and having to like deal with sort of like that sort of uh, quote, quote, like marketing side of like mm-hmm. being in a band and stuff. And so not having to deal with that was, was, um, was great. That's I mean, cool. I mean, yeah. You know, like there's some coordination we had to do with stuff, but, but not having to be totally solely responsible for that was, was great. Yeah. Right on. I think we're getting to a good, you know, culmination point here. Um, you know, we could, we could keep this rolling for hours probably. It's really mm-hmm. cool to like, you know, get really granular with the process and everything. Cause I love like nerding out on that stuff, oh, but, yeah. um, I'll end it with kind of like a big question, maybe a couple of questions. Um, you know, as you sit here with like this, like crazy narrative as a band, um, I mean, do you feel like Riot Stare has kind of accomplished everything you, you would want it to? Are there plans to kind of like lay it to rest and like be at peace with it and maybe move on to other things? Or do you still think there's like some potential for the band and like things you want to do in the future? I mean, I don't think any of us is sort of expected, you know, what happened with, with Izzy and whatnot. I mean, we recorded this LP, as Patrick said, we were planning to, you know, get this LP out, like tour on it and then just, you know, write the next shit and mm-hmm. just keep going. Cause we all, we all like playing music together. We all like playing this type of music. Like, and so I don't think any of us expected that, but I mean, I, th- I think in, in response to, did we accomplish what we wanted to like, it's like in some ways, I mean, obviously, it's it's not what we uh, it, it did not go as planned, right? You know, yeah. Be- between between everything with Izzy, um, and even between like the COVID stuff and kind of how that disrupted things, like nothing happened the way we expected it to, and and um, but at the end of the day, like I think all of us are just. I mean, we love to like play shows, of course, and like tour with when, like when we can and like and, and like you know see different parts of the country and do that whole thing and but I think at the end of the day all of us are just like really the, I think the maybe the most satisfying thing to us is like just making music that we that we like and um, I think be, I think where we ended up with this LP embracing what like the styles of music that that that, that we love and um just wanting to have fun with it. I think just like em- em- embracing that sort of ethos with the record, um, which, which led us to create this thing that I think that we're all still like genuinely stoked on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think like, uh, I don't know, like maybe it sounds corny or something, but I think that that like that in and of itself is, is like we, we accomplished what we all sort of want to do at our core when it comes to like starting a band and playing music is just like kind of creating this art or whatever that it is um i don't know just just like genuine like coming from a genuine place like not trying to like cater to any kind of like we we want people to listen to it and be stoked about it like of course um but like not i don't know just like not compromising anything in terms of like the the the, the style or, 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 um, you know, or, or incorporating different influences that we like or whatever. So I, I think in that sense, we definitely, you know, 
um, at in in a, in a fundamental way accomplished what we what mm-hmm. we wanted to. Yeah, we had we had like a like like Patrick said earlier. We throughout the band we always had this like sort of tongue in cheek humor about like embracing the corn and just like a, <laughs> like a riffs a riff sort of deal. But I mean, it's a uh, didn't expect what 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 happened with with Izzy or COVID, but I think with good things, good times, goodness, I don't know. It's a uh, a lot of times it's sort of retroactively defined. Like you're mm-hmm. you're somewhere, you fall into the proverbial pit, like some tragedy or something unexpected happens, and the act of falling like, simultaneously defines like what is good. Right. It's like you don't know what is good when you're in it. You have to fall and then it's like, man, that was that's what good was. And so I think like despite like the the tragedy of having a close friend, someone that Patrick and I wrote music with for um like close to like a third of our lives. Mm-hmm. Like and like same with same with Dylan and, and Brad and like as tragic as that is, it sort of puts into perspective like what we did as a band was uh, something that I think with the culmination of it being this record, I think it's something that we're all proud of. It's something that we look to as something that's uh, it makes us happy, and I think we can say that it was good, and yeah. so, and that's 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 encouraging. So it's beautiful. Very well said. Yeah. yeah awesome what do you think um, I mean have you guys given much thought to what music looks like in the future like what role music will play in your lives moving forward yeah so um, you know we did make the decision um, a while ago that that we do have a shelf life when it comes to Ryan Stairs that, that there is sort of a, a, a not yet determined expiration date for the band um, we, you know, after Izzy passed, we obviously, you know, like, I mean, anything sort of band related was, was you know, kind of really on the back burner, obviously, because we were just sort of processing the, you know, the loss of like, you know, one of our best friends. And so when we eventually sort of like, were okay with sitting down and having the conversation, like, okay, well, you know, what do we do about the band, you know? And, and of course, like, what do we do with the record? And then what do we do moving forward as a band? I think we, 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 for a while, were very, um, I think felt different ways at different points, you know, like what feels right, what feels natural, what would, what, what is like, what, what properly honors Izzy's legacy. Um, and ultimately we, we just landed on the decision that it just feels best to, um, put out the record, um, play uh you know initially we were going to maybe play a show and then be done um we've since then we've kind of allowed ourselves a little bit more time i think we just want to like i think i think it serves like the record best to um get it out there play on it a little bit and just for us to just have fun you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. we want we just want to like enjoy this thing that we work so hard on and so we just have kind of allowed ourselves a little bit more time to just play a handful of shows i mean we're being like picky with what we play mainly because we just we all are like very busy just in our personal lives and don't and it, it's hard to to get the time to to you know do any kind of traveling or playing but trying to sort of um 
you know, selectively just play some shows that'll be fun. And then, um, you know, when it feels right, we'll, we'll play a, a final show. And then at that point, you know, we all, we all still have like full intention of playing music together as a, as a group. And cool. so it'll just be, you know, under a different name, um, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, and maybe a, a different style. Um, so, you know, the, the, I think the future is a little, um, you know, we don't have s- specifics, but, but, you know, we, we, uh, that, that's sort of what feels right for us is mm-hmm. to sort of close the book on riot stairs as an entity and, um, you know, start something new. So, yeah. And I mean, playing the shows, I mean, we, we want to put the record out, obviously we've done that. Um, and, but there's, there's for folks that did care about our band that cared about Izzy, like, of course, we enjoy playing music and playing shows, but I think, uh, you know, if folks who did care, they can come and listen to the songs off that record, like, absolutely, and listen to them live, and, um, like, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, like, I don't know, I think, I think if we're thinking in terms of Izzy and the impact that he had, because like when he died, it was it was really amazing to like you know all of us heard from people from all over the country who we had met over the years who like reach out to us saying what kind of an impact has he had on them, like, like good memory they had of him. Not just riot stairs, but discourse and and false light, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like. And so, you know, I don't know. I it, it, it's nice to, like what Tyler was saying with playing these shows is it, it might give people who had that you know, who had that relationship with Izzy, you know, like, uh, from, from like playing shows with them or, or them getting to like know him as a, as a musician, um, playing the shows kind of gives, might give some people some sort of closure when it comes to, you know, when it, when it comes to Izzy and, and, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there was like, like when, when he died, there was just this, this outpouring of just support and love for Izzy. I think, uh, like, anyone that knew Izzy would, like, of course, like, he wasn't perfect. Like, personally, <laughs> like, he, like, some of my, like, most angriest times, my most frustrating times with, were with Izzy. And, like, some of my uh, fondest memories, some of my most happy memories were with Izzy. But, I mean, it's just, uh, so we were receiving that as a band. But it just happened, like, we just so happened to have been in a band with Izzy at the time. And so all that support and love came to us mm-hmm. and so and that's something that you know uh i don't take for granted it's something that it's uh it's very lucky to have very fortunate to mm-hmm. receive that sort yeah. of on behalf of someone that you cared about mm-hmm. yeah. and so uh like just like sort of what patrick was saying like actually playing shows live with these songs i mean it's cathartic yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like he's like part of the songs now? Absolutely. He's, he's part of our. He's part of our, like part of those songs, but also just part of us as musicians. Mm-hmm. Part of the way that we look at music in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So it's definitely cathartic. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well said. Yeah. Well, you guys are clearly very thoughtful about what you produce and put out into the world. Um, this has been an honor, like getting really detailed and like figuring out the 
the inner workings of how you guys operate as musicians and, and as people. Um, so yeah, I think this has been a really, really awesome interview and I appreciate having the chance to be here with you guys. Um, did we miss anything important in the story of Riot Stairs? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to, um, you know, I think, I think obviously a lot of these things are things we've thought a lot about, but there's other aspects that, that we, um, maybe haven't, um, had conversations about and it's nice to kind of, uh, verbalize them and kind of like, you know, work through them as, as we go. Um, whether it's the heavier stuff when it comes to Izzy or just the other, um, parts of just like our history as a band. And mm -hmm. so, so I don't know, I, we appreciate the opportunity just to like discuss that and, and kind of, and kind of like pick that apart. Cause, um, I think, I think we all feel proud just of, of, of you know, just of the, the band and, and what we were able to do. And also just lucky that we even had the ability to do it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, uh, you, you, you were, you're with the two, I guess, just most, loquacious and rambling people in the band oh, yeah. <laughs> like brad's very quiet um and i think patrick and i just sort of have a tendency to just ramble forever so uh perfect yep. <laughs> i appreciate you just yeah you, you guys <laughs> listening to us you guys interview very well I've, I've had a great time um cool but again yeah thank you for your time we'll, we'll cut loose here and uh best of luck with whatever's next thanks yeah, cool. yeah. luke thanks so much man right on yeah, peace Sick. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. And I know some of that music talk was pretty nerdy and in-depth, so I'm sorry if we lost anyone during any of that. Um, it's easy to ramble on and go on tangents when you have three very passionate people in a conversation about something that's important to them. Um, but from our end, from my end, I can say I really, really enjoyed this one. So Pat and Tyler, thank you too for your time. Uh, to all my friends listening at home, make sure you check out Riot Stairs on Bandcamp or Spotify or wherever you listen to music. And if you like what you hear, then consider buying some merch or a hard copy of the record and supporting their journey as a band. So let's wrap this up with my signature words of wisdom. Um, when our loved ones leave this earth, they inevitably leave parts of themselves behind. Uh, it may be art, it may be music they've made, it may be pictures or videos that you hang on to, but um, this conversation made me realize that they also leave behind what they teach us throughout their lives. So um, take a moment here, if you're missing anyone, family member or a friend that's passed away, then uh, take some time to reflect on what lessons you've learned and what they've taught you and, and how much you've grown as a person as a result of them, you know, being with you for part of your journey. So um, there's inevitably going to be aspects uh, that you can kind of carry on with you as you grow and progress in life. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate you all. I'll see you next time. Peace.